You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Dare we say the light shines brightest where things are darkest. And this is why we planted the church in Camden Town when we came here almost nine years ago. They told me, bro, don't you go to Camden Town and start a church. It's really dark in Camden Town. I said, huh, that sounds like a great place to shine the light. I want to walk right on over to Camden Town where it's darkest and have my relationship with God illuminated amidst all that darkness. And so we have a man whose relationship with God was illuminated amongst all the darkness of the time. His name is Enoch. It says in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 21. It says when Enoch lived 65 years. 65 years. He was just a little bit just a little bit older than Jamie Gordon. I mean, just, just, just a little bit. Sorry about that, Jamie. I love you. Uh, 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. And how long did he walk? 300 years. How'd you like to go into full-time ministry at the age of 65? Don't tell me you can't go into ministry at 65. It says he didn't begin until he was 65. It says he walked with God 300 years. I love that. I love the, the play on, on, dare we say, words that he's 65, walks 300 years. I mean, you got to walk with God 365 days of the year right there. You should be walking with God every single day. Whether you're saved or not, you may not even know it. You are walking with God. Amen. You may not be saved. You may not be a disciple. You're still walking with God. Mm. See, every knee will bow and have to face judgment. Yeah. Mm. And we often think judgment is this ethereal thing that happens where the this, this clouds get all kind of like how it is right now. And, you know, this big, you know, cosmic. We watch too many movies. <laughs> no, judgment happens every day. The world death clock says that two people die every second. So by the time the sermon is done, there will be a lot of people that have walked with God, and if they're not right with God, judgment is to come. See, that's where things were at when Enoch's relationship with God stood out amongst everyone else. Judgment was on its way, but the Bible says he walked with God. It says, Enoch walked with God, then he was no more, because God took him away, and the church said, Amen. is this not awesome? It says, God, he says, he walked, how'd you like to have this on your epitaph? <laughs> you know, on your tombstone, he walked with God, then he was no more. <laughs> Tom walked with God, then he was no more. <laughs> you know, wouldn't that be amazing? You know, Keithra, she walked with God. She had her braids, and she walked with God, and then she was no more right there. I mean, I love that because there's nothing bad that God says about Enoch. And God knows everything. The only thing that was said is, man, this guy walked with me. He walked with me. He was with me. Are, are you with me right here? Yeah. Now remember, today's lesson is walking with God. Now, it's your walk with God. It's not walking with the preacher. It's not walking with the church. It's not walking with the singles. It's not. No, it's your personal relationship with God. See, oftentimes we come to church, sometimes and you hear the preacher say something, oh yeah, you get those husbands right there. <laughs> you get those wives. You get those singles. No, no, no. Today is a day where I totally want you to focus in on you. Amen. On where you're at in your walk with God. Amen. This is powerful because 
Enoch stands out as somebody who walks with God. And if you know, this is right before the flood. This is right before the flood. This is right before judgment. He stood out. I pray that you as a disciple, you stand out here in South London. Oh, yeah. That your walk with God doesn't look like everyone else who claims to walk with God. I pray that you are a light in the midst of the darkness. Come on, bro. Yeah. The only way to walk with God is to be consistent. Enoch did something radical during a time that things were not supposed to be so, so there, there we say, he, sh he should have been with the rest of the, the people in darkness. But he chose to walk with God. The average human will take 7,500 steps a day. 7,500 steps. You will take 7,500, the average. Some, some maybe in London, you'd take a few more. Um, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's 110 miles, 110,000 miles in your entire lifetime. And I thought about that, and I go, you know, it doesn't really matter how many steps you actually take in life. It doesn't matter if you take 75,000 steps, 76,000 steps, 110,000 uh, miles, 210,000 miles. It doesn't matter how many steps you take. It only matters who you take them with. Question I ask is, are you walking with God? Are you walking with God today? You know, we, uh, we have an acronym in America. It's, it's hilarious. It's, it's uh, STBA, Scheduled to Burn Anyway. Right? Scheduled to burn anyway. Everything is scheduled to burn anyway. You might as well decide to walk with God, not against God. Are you with me here? Yeah. Look at Leviticus chapter 26. Walking with God. Walking with God. We'll talk about walking with God. What does it mean to walk with God? How do you know that you're walking with God? Well, in Leviticus chapter 26... In verse 1 it says, do not make an idol for yourself or set up an image, sacred stone for yourself, and do not place a carved stone in your land to bow down before it. So we know you've got to worship God. You cannot be sucked into idolatry. But verse 3 really highlights what it means to walk with God. It says, if you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands. It says, I will send you rain in its season, even though we don't like the rain. That was a good thing in the Old Testament, because <laughs> it meant you were going to be fruitful. <laughs> he says, I'll send rain in season, and the ground will yield its crops, and the trees of the field their fruit. We stop there. To walk with God means to simply obey his decrees, to carefully obey his commands. So, if you're not willing to go by the word of God, you're outside of the will of God. And you're not walking with God. <laughs> he says, the only way you can, you can really claim to walk with God is to go by the word of God. Now, we live in a time where people think a lot of things about walking with God. They, they don't believe in the Bible. If anything I say to you today is in the Bible, it's not me speaking to you. It is God speaking directly to you today. And he's asking a question. How is your walk with God? How is your walk with God? I, I love Enoch because Enoch pleased God. And that's the only way to really, to really please God is to walk with him. It says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5, it says, By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased his husband. No. 
No, God doesn't believe in same-sex marriage. Mm. I believe in gay marriage. Me and my wife are happily married. <laughs> We're happy. We're very happy. No, it says he was commended as someone who's pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. He says a good moral life does not please God. You need faith in the word of God to please God. It says, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And the church said, Amen. you know, God's not hard to please. You ever felt like God is hard to please? You ever thought, oh man, it's so hard to please the Lord here. Oh man. That's just because you're trying to walk in your own ways. I know when I start feeling like it's hard to please God, it's because I'm coming up with my own image of God. It's hard to, it's hard to please the, the God that I come up with, but the God of the Bible is hard. You just got to obey him. doesn't say you got to feel like obeying him. It says you just got to obey. And I, 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 for myself, I always believe that motion creates emotion. Right? You do it, and then you feel awesome about it. <laughs> you don't feel awesome, and then you do, you do and feel awesome about it. You, you, you've got to let motion create emotion. I, I never forget uh, having my first little, little, little son, little Michael Adrian. He's a joy now, but he wasn't always a joy. <laughs> and I had a really awesome way to uh, help uh, him be a really obedient child when he struggled. And he would struggle at the perfect times to struggle, 3 o'clock in the morning. You know how 3 o'clock in the morning is. You're having that dream. You're doing something that you would never be able to do in real life. You know what I mean? You're singing like Hillary or something up there. Oh, and you're really in the middle of that dream. And then my son would start screaming to the top of his lungs. And I had a great plan for how to sort it out. I would just simply say, hey, babe, can you get that? As I told Michelle. And one day she went off of me. She said, get up and take care of your son. You know, kind of was a moment of unspirituality in our lives. <laughs> so I got up and I was I was ticked off. I kicked the uh, front of the post of the bed. Got to be more careful is what I said. Right there. Um, walked in. Picked up when Michael was screaming. He was sweating. And as I picked him up, he just calmed down. Yeah, and I, I told my wife, it's okay, honey, I've got it. <laughs> just have a, have a rest. It's okay, I've got it. And, and I laid him down. And it was awesome. I felt really great. Um, but I didn't feel good until afterwards. Beforehand, I was struggling <laughs> to get up and do what was right. That's kind of how it is to walk with God. We live in such an emotional, feelings-based society. We want to feel like walking with God and feel good and then do what's right. No, no, no. You do what's right and then you feel good. You know, today I want, I want to encourage you. Do what's right and then you'll feel awesome about it. Walking with God is not challenging in that way. God is not very hard to please. Now I want to persuade you of a few things as we look at the stormy weather out here. I believe Jesus trains by storm. Anybody ever been in a storm? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, the storms can kind of blow all over the place, right? The wind, the rain. You know, last night we had an awesome time out. Michelle and I went out on a date with uh, several single disciples. And, uh, you know, it was awesome because as we went out on the date, we had food and everything. And then Paul Busari had this great plan to ask one of the sisters to be his girlfriend. Oh. And, uh, you know, it was amazing because we went to Primrose Hill. And as you go to the bottom of Primrose Hill, you walk all the way up to the top of it. And it's one of the places that overlooks the city. You can see the entire city. And everything was fine. Until the time he's going to ask her to be his girlfriend, we got to the bottom of the hill and the wind just started blowing and everything, it got freezing. 
thing and sisters, their eyelashes were flying off. And, uh, all right, sis, you still look awesome. Keep walking with God right there. Uh, and then we get all the way up to the top and it's blowing, it's freezing, and we have a prayer right there and we get a little bit warmer because we're praying and like this. And then as we're praying, Paul had this plan that other disciples would come out of the bushes and start singing. So they started singing and then we opened our eyes and then he asked her to be his girlfriend right there. And she said yes, so we got a new dating couple. I thought it was quite appropriate because the entire evening was awesome. It was warm until we got ready for the most awesome part of it. Yeah. And then the storms came. Yeah. Mm. I thought about that in my life. You know, Jesus does train by storm. Yeah. Sometimes you've got some stormy relationships. Yes. And God is training you in those. Sometimes you've, got, you, 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 you've had some stormy situations in life. Where wind is blowing all over the place. You don't know what in the world God is trying to show you. And I believe Jesus trains by storm. When I think about storms, I think about one of the first storms of the Bible. I think about, obviously we see one here, but I think about later on with Jonah. Mm. You remember Jonah? Mm -hmm. yeah. God said, go this way, and what way did he want to go? Yeah. This way. You ever been there? Yeah. God says, go this way, you yes. go that way. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, I think Jesus will train you when you do that. Yeah. That's called a storm of correction. Yeah. See, Jesus trains by storm. God says, go this way, Jonah. He goes that way, and what's he go into? A storm. He goes right into a storm. See, there's a storm waiting if you go the wrong way. And of course, he gets delivered to the belly of a fish. We don't know if it's a whale or not, but um, it says the belly of a fish. And uh, I love that because Jesus refers to Jonah in the Old Testament. He goes, hey, no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. Now, what was that sign? I personally believe... I believe Jonah did die, because people have asked me, hey, how, didn't he die in the hydrochloric acid in the stomach right there? How, how, how is the Bible true? You know, I, I have no idea if he did die or not. But I actually do believe he died and resurrected. And that is the sign, the cross. Amen. That Jonah did rise out of that belly. Um, and yet we've got to ask ourselves if we're going the opposite way God's calling us to go. You can do that. There is a storm all waiting. <laughs> I would call it a storm of correction. Look at Mark chapter 4. You guys still with me here? Yes. Just getting started. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Walking with God. In your walk with God, Jesus does train by storm. Look at this one in chapter 4. You guys know this one. Jesus has been doing the ministry all day. He's been cranking, he's been preaching, he's been teaching, he's been driving out demons and healing. And the Bible says in verse 35, it says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Okay. Who believes Jesus is God? Who believes Jesus knows everything? Who believes Jesus sees everything? Who believes Jesus is all-knowing, all-powerful, all thing, everything? He, he knows everything. This is incredible. We all believe this. Amen. We all believe this. Except a few in the back. I see a couple of little small hands. Right? We'll try to get you there right there in the end. He says, let us go over to the other side. Do you think Jesus knows what's on the other side? Yeah. Totally. Totally. You think when Jesus says, I want you to go over here, he knows what's over there that he's telling you to go. Don't you think so? Yeah. He knows. He knows exactly what kind of challenges await you. He knows exactly what kind of discipling time you need next year. He knows exactly what kind of correction you need 
this afternoon. He knows exactly what kind of, he, he knows, man. I look at my life and I go, man, God, you just must have known exactly. You like set all these spiritual traps in my life to really help me to walk with you. So he tells the disciples to go on to the other side. And of course, they're like, oh yeah, okay, sure, Jesus, go ahead on over there. And it says, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. Just as he was in a boat, there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up. Thanks, Jesus. Wish you would have told us the squall was coming. <laughs> this is a furious squall came up and waves broke over the boat. So it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Thanks, Jesus. I've had, I, got, I got this stormy situation and you're sleeping. Storms in my marriage. And you're sleeping. Storms at work. And you're sleeping. Storms in my life. Storms in my family. And you don't. You you must not care about me, because you're down there sleeping on a cushion. You ever felt like that? Yeah. I know I have. I felt that way when, at the age of 14, I was abandoned. And my mother became a drug addict, and I felt like Jesus was just sleeping on a cushion, and he had abandoned me to the storm, and he just left me there. And that he did not care. You know, if you're not secure in God's love, you'll expect everybody else to perpetuate a type of love to make you secure. Mm -hmm. God loves you. Yeah. God loves you. Mm -hmm. And you know, today I really want to inspire you to say out loud that nobody is responsible for your joy except you and your relationship with God. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to inspire you to say to yourself, I'm going to stop holding people ransom. Just you got to make me happy. You know, the only person that's responsible for your joy. <laughs> Is your relationship with God. Joy comes from walking with God. Joy does not come from the perfect husband. Can a husband say amen on that one? Joy does not come from the perfect wife. Oh, there's one wife that said amen. There we go. Right. Joy comes from walking with God. And when we want people to meet those needs, we're in trouble. Storm is coming. And so it says here, Jesus in the stern sleeping on the cushion. The disciples woke and don't you isn't that how we feel? Don't you care? It's all about me. He got up and rebuked the disciples. No. Ooh, okay, we got something to listen. No, it doesn't do that. He says he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves. You know, Jesus puts care over confrontation. He cares about you more than he wants to confront you. You know, when I came to church, I was, I was. I'd had a lot of storms in my life, <laughs> in my supposed walk with God, and I was just afraid he was going to confront me. I didn't know that Jesus cared about me. You come for the first time, Jesus cares about you. Amen. You know, most people, when you, you say you're a Christian, they get nervous if you want to confront them. Jesus cares about those people. Yeah. Jesus cares about you today. Even for those of you that have been around a long time, and you're alone, you've been walking a long way. Jesus cares about you. There's a guy named David Coons who actually was the first person who walked around the world. And after he actually done it, he had a mule and his shoes that were left. You know what they get? You know what he, he auctioned his left shoe, you know what they gave him? 140 bucks. Auctioned his right shoe, gave him like 150 bucks. Auctioned the mule that he used, like another hundred bucks. After doing something nobody else has done in the world. People don't value walking with God. Just like they didn't value him walking around the earth, like, I don't know, what's it, 140 bucks is all you get. But we got to value walking 
with God. Got to value walking with God. And so he puts care over confrontation. He says, be quiet, be still. The wind died down, it's completely calm. Said to his disciples, why are you afraid? Don't you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him and the church said, isn't that awesome? See, Jesus does train by storm. Storms of direction, right? That's what this one here. There was a storm of correction earlier with Jonah. This is a storm of direction. But the word perfection, Jesus tells us, he says, hey, be perfect as I am perfect. Now, that doesn't mean we can be perfect in a, in a sense that we are God. I know we feel that way in society nowadays. But perfect means mature. The Greek word means to be mature. See, storms of correction and storms of direction are for your perfection. They're so you can become mature in your faith, not lacking anything. So that you can become mature and that you will not stop walking with God when the storms come. And yet we got to ask today, how is your walk with God? Are you walking with God? Turn to Matthew chapter 14. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Let's look at a guy who walked with God. I love this about Peter. Peter, Peter's a great Christian to follow. He has the scar tissue method of Christianity. That's, that's been my experience. I've tried to lead my leaders before and gotten annihilated by God. I've tried to hide from my leaders and gotten annihilated by God. I've tried to be the leader when nobody's called me to be the leader and gotten annihilated by God. I've tried to go against the word of God and got thrown in the belly of a fish. I've tried to, I've tried, I've tried, I got a bunch of spiritual scar tissue. You want to know exactly what not to do? I'm the perfect candidate for you. You want to know how to really mess up your marriage? I can, I can help you with that. You want to know how to really have a loneliness that come into your heart that nobody else, you feel like nobody else has had the loneliness I have. I've been there before. And every time I go back to it, it, it all has to do with my, my walk with God. My walk with God. Matthew chapter 14. We love Peter because of his walk with God. And he had the scar tissue method. He made a lot of mistakes. But in the kingdom of God, we know that failure is not fatal. You fail forward. You fail often. We fail frequently. We fail our way all the way to heaven. Verse, 14, or verse 22. Chapter 14. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into a boat. And go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, this is like super early in the morning. The fourth watch of the night. It says Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. <laughs> you know, they've been out there, other translators say they've been struggling all night. And you know, right when you're ready to give up, that's when Jesus shows up. Oh. Right when you're ready to give up on the kingdom, Jesus shows up. Right when you're ready to give up on your marriage, Jesus shows up. Someone shares their faith with you. Right when you're ready to give up on your parents, Jesus shows up. Right at the fourth watch of the night, right when the disciples, they're struggling and they're just like, oh, why are we doing this? Jesus shows up. And of course, because they 
had not been walking with God. We see how they view God. It says he was walking on a lake. When the disciples saw him walking on a lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost. They said, and they cried out in fear. You know, we view God with the wrong eyes when we stop walking with him. Verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. I love Jesus' example on his solution for fear all the time. He, he, he says, you're afraid? Don't be. Don't be. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got some, I got, Jesus gets real deep. He goes, oh, you're, you're struggling with fear? Don't be. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's how you do it. Just don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You're afraid of your husband's leadership? Don't be. <laughs> see, see, no amens on that one right there. Still afraid right there. You're afraid of your wallows, your your wife's followership? Don't be. Amen. <laughs> you're afraid of where you're gonna get the money? Don't be. Amen. You're afraid of what's gonna happen. Just, just stop being afraid. Stop it. Don't be afraid. He tells him. Verse twenty-eight. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. You know, Peter is so awesome. Peter says, I want to walk with God. I want to walk with God. Now, the Greek here, where it says, Lord, if it's you, the Greek is actually not if it's you. The Greek translation, since it's you. Since it's you. So Peter says, you know what? We've been trying to, since it's God, I want to walk with you. I want to walk on water. He had a deep confidence that God was before him. Do you have a deep confidence that God is before you in every single challenge? He says, since it's you, tell me to walk. I, want, I don't want to be like everybody else. Struggling with fear, I want to get out of my boat and walk with God. I want to get out of my boat and start walking with you. What's that, what happens? Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on water and came toward Jesus. That must have been cranking. That was like yeah. better than Michael Jackson's moonwalk. I mean, <laughs> damn, he's just walking on the water. And just like, I mean, I, I would have, I probably would have been riding the waves and just like, well, I would have just kind of like, man, that's awesome. And he's just walking on water and he's looking at God. He's like, I can't believe I'm doing it. You know, when you're really walking with God, you will feel like that. Mm. I can't believe I'm faithful. Wow. I can't believe I baptized someone. Wow. I can't believe you give me a second chance. Wow. I can't believe you give me a family. Wow. I can't believe you give me this. Wow. This is awesome when we're focused in on God. Yeah. Amen. But what happens? What happens? It says, he walked on water and came toward Jesus. Notice he didn't go towards the disciples. Didn't go towards them. He just went straight towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, well, how do you see the wind? You start looking at it. You start focusing on it. And stop focusing on God. He was walking on water and then you looked at the wind. The moment you take your eyes off of God, you're in trouble. The moment you take your eyes off of God. He looks at the wind and he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus said, You fool, I can't believe you did this. You're so stupid. I can't believe it. No, that's not God. That's how we feel so sometimes though. As yeah. <laughs> soon as we start sinking, we start, oh, I'm gonna get killed. No, God is there to catch you. God is there. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. 
And he, and he helps him understand what the problem is. It's a faith issue. She said, you have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Now, the Greek word for doubt is hesitate. Why'd you hesitate? Why are you hesitating to walk with God? You're here and you've studied the Bible. I want to ask you that. Why are you hesitating? Why not walk with God? Why not study the Bible and become a true disciple? Come on. Are you waiting for a storm? Amen. Oh, carry on. I'm not sure. God, I remember I was going to L.A. and I, I had done my fourth feature film. I did my 60 commercials. I had a billboard in Portland, Oregon. And I was on TV and I was the local actor that's going to make it. And I'm moving to L.A. I'm, I'm going to become an actor. The disciples said, hey, you need to come to church. I go, you want to go that direction? <laughs> yeah. I want to go that direction. <laughs> you say, well, what happened? Well, not much. I lost 9,000 bucks. I got caught cheating. I lost my apartment. I lost my condo. My car got impounded. And I went to jail. That's all. <laughs> That's In all. one day. So one day. Because I didn't want to walk with God. I didn't want to walk with God. Storm came. Storm came. And it was a faith issue. It was a faith issue. Um, when does Peter start to sink? When he took his eyes off of God. When he took his eyes off of God. I believe you start sinking in your thinking when you take your eyes off of God. And we can go to debased places in our thoughts because we take our mind and our thoughts off of God. Now, if you know this account, right earlier he feeds the 5,000. And as he feeds the 5,000, um, of course, you go through the whole account, but if you go back to chapter 14, um, it says in verse 18, it says, bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. He, he puts everybody in Bible talks. It says, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and they were what? Satisfied. 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 Let's ask a question. Are you satisfied in your walk with God? Is God meeting all your needs? Judging by the silence, I, I don't think so. <laughs> Judging by the silence, you're not getting fed enough by God. I, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. And everything else is awesome. <laughs> you know, it's awesome. Friday night, we had this incredible young uh, campus student from the University of College London. She got baptized into Christ. Uh, and so she's a sold-out disciple. We're, we're, we're making a, we're, we're going after it right there. And UCL is great. I, I thank Tommy Wall for leading the Bible talk right there and just standing in the gap. But but even though the miracle was cool, I, I just felt a different, I said, well, that, that's awesome. But man, I, I, I'm walking with God. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. You know what the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3? It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Do you believe right now i got everything? I, his divine power has given me everything. I don't need any pats on the back. I don't need any more money. I don't need any. I don't need any. God has given me everything. I am satisfied in my walk. With God. I look at this account here with Peter. I go, man, what changed? What changed about Jesus? Nothing. You know what changed? Peter. Mm. He took his eyes off of God. Mm. He took his eyes off of God. And he got worried and he began to sink in how he thought. And that's exactly 
what will kill your walk with God. Mm. Point number one, walk humbly with your God. Mm. Walk humbly with your God. If you look at Micah chapter 6, Micah chapter 6. Oh, bro. I'm going to read you a different translation to give you a different flavor of this uh, <laughs> spiritual fried rice here I'm serving up here today. <laughs> Jell-off rice for the Nigerians right there. Uh, you know, uh, stewed chicken and rice for the Caribbeans in the house. Yeah. And, uh, you know, pie and mash for the English. Uh, <laughs> Micah chapter 6, and, and just good food for the rest of you. Uh, Micah chapter 6, he says this here. He says, in verse 8, it says, But he's already made it plain to how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and in women. It's quite simple. Do what's fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. Don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. Wow. The NIV says simply to walk humbly with your God. It says don't take yourself too seriously. How, do you, how can you take yourself too seriously when you think you need to know everything? To be perfect. And I found that living in Europe, that's, that's, that's a big thing. Living here, people want to know everything. They don't know everything. They can't. They, oh, if I don't know everything, I need to know. Everything. I need to have every single question answered before I can do something. <laughs> and th there's there's a good in that, but there's a danger in that. You can take yourself too seriously, um, because when you know everything, you think you're better than everybody, yeah. and you're not humble anymore. Because when you're humble, you're teachable. Yeah. And when you're unteachable, you're unreachable. Yeah. And when you're ready to say, I want life to keep teaching me. 365 days a year. I'm going to be like Enoch and walk with God. Then you, you, you'll be fine. You can walk humbly with your God. But what we do is we get to these places where we think we're done learning. We're done learning. We even coin phrases that help us in our rebellion towards God. We say stuff like, can't teach an old dog new tricks. I don't see that in the scriptures. <laughs> Enoch was 65 years old before he went into ministry. Walking humbly with his God. Are you humble? Are you humble? Are you walking humbly with your God? I want to get you to think of some things. I want to, I want to kind of go down the science of self-talk. Because I think how we talk about ourselves is how we feel about God and how we feel about others. Um, your mind affects your walk with God. Do you ever take the time to think about what you're thinking about? If you don't deal with how you think, first thing in the morning, it'll affect the rest of your day. Um... I just want to ask some simple questions. Do you like yourself? Do you really like yourself? Do you go, you know what, I like, I like who I am. I like who I am. I'm confident in who I am. Here's my weaknesses, here's my strengths, and, I, and, I, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I like who I am. When we don't like who we are and we try to be people that we are not, that's torture. Yeah. I want to encourage you to like who you are. Newsflash. Don't try to be anybody else. Everybody else is taken. <laughs> be yourself. Be yourself. Learn to like who you are. If you don't like who you are, that criticism and negativity will come out on everybody, including God. And here's the deal. God loves you. He loves you. He totally loves you. He's put in way too much effort to create you, to get mad at you, and just to stop loving you. But here's our problem. 
We don't cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for us. We cast all our anxieties sometimes on ourselves, sometimes on other people. We cast all our anxieties on our employer. We cast all our anxieties on our children. We cast all our anxieties on our husband, on our wife, instead of casting all our anxieties on God. And the only reason why you would do that is because you believe he cares for you. Why don't people cast all their anxieties on God? They don't believe God cares for them. They don't believe God cares for them. So they don't go to God. Instead, they go to something that's not God and get disappointed. Mm. Quick, because they're not God. How do I know? I've tried. I was like, Michelle, let me tell you how things are going in my life. And here's what we need. And you don't understand. And she's like, honey, I got to go. <laughs> she's like, I don't want to be around you. I am not your God. Right? And I've had to go to God and get my needs met. Amen. And be humble. Be humble. Your mind affects the way you view yourself, other people, and your relationship with God. We as disciples need to transform our minds. <clears throat> renew our minds. It says in Romans chapter, we got to look at that one quickly oh, here. Romans. You guys still with me here? Yeah. Yeah. Chapter 12. Look at this one here. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It starts in your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. <laughs> Isn't that a great scripture? You know what this says? It says God's will is good, God's will is pleasing, and God's will is perfect. You believe the Bible. Yes. You believe that. Yeah. It's God's will that Donald Trump be president of the United States of America. Amen. It's God's will. It's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. <laughs> it's God's will that Theresa May is, is, is doing what she's doing here in the UK. Let's <laughs> take a little bit longer for the Brexit right there, you know. Right? But but it's but you know we do we get we we we, we don't like that. And the Bible says we actually need to pray for those who are in authority, not criticize those who are in authority. Right? Mm -hmm. Let me start talking about Donald Trump too longer, and some of you don't like him, you'll be out of the door. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we don't really go by the Bible. Mm -hmm. yeah. We don't believe that God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. How much more so in your life? Mm -hmm. Say, I'm single. It's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect for you. Mm -hmm. You need to be single. You need to learn how to walk with God so that your marriage won't take the place of God and yeah. you won't have a divorce. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm not getting my needs met from my husband. That's awesome. That, that's, an, that's a blessing. You need to learn how to walk with God so God can meet your needs. Because that husband will never be God. I'm not getting my needs met from my wife. Awesome. Go pray. Say, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to pray anymore. Pray some more. <laughs> and keep praying. And keep talking to God. Walk humbly with your God. Renew your mind. Transform your mind. What renews your mind? The Word of God. How's your quiet times? How is your time with God? Let me tell you something. They say the first 20 minutes of your day changes the rest of your day. Science has proven it. They say the first 20, 20 minutes of what you think about. That's the reason why I don't look at Facebook. I put my face in this book. But I think some of us, we look at Facebook right away. Some of us are online. How do I know? I get messages at 6, 30, 7 in the morning. I'm like, what are you doing? Are you walking with God? Why are you messaging me? I'm not your God. 
Yeah, I gotta get some advice. No, you don't. You want me to be your God. <laughs> Walk with God. <clears throat> Pray. Walk humbly. I don't. I haven't gotten this figured out. Good. I haven't figured out life. I don't know how to be an awesome husband. All I know is to go by the Bible <clears throat> and to keep walking humbly with my God. Amen. South Region, which is where the ministry of Jesus started. <clears throat> Are you walking humbly with your God? <clears throat> Are you walking humbly with your God? <clears throat> Are you saying good things about yourself? Well, you will if you read the Word of God. We've got to walk humbly with our God. Number two, we've got to walk obediently with our God. We cannot say we're walking with God if we are not obedient to God. Are you with me here? First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. Verse 6. pick it up in verse 5. It says, but if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. How's your walk with God? Come on, bro. <laughs> Obedience. We don't like this word, do we? <laughs> Not in the 21st century. No, we don't. You know, we say, you know, every time people, especially at campus, I get this, don't preach at me. Don't you preach at me. Well, I, and it's funny because I, I look at that and go, okay, okay, that's fine. But no one ever says, don't teach at me. I've even heard that in the church sometimes. I feel like you're always preaching at me. No one says, don't teach at me. You know why? Because teaching doesn't carry authority. That's true. You can be taught all day long. It's your option whether you want to obey it or not. That's true. Right? You're just get, giving some information. Here's some tidbits. That's the reason why no one says, hey, don't teach me. Because we love teaching. Just teach me. Let me figure out whether I want to obey on my own. Just teach me. What is it? Just give me some more information. Teach me beyond my obedience. No, 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 no. <laughs> People say don't preach at me because preaching carries authority. That's true. So today I'm preaching to you. Come on, bro. You may not like me. That's okay. That's all right. That's all right. I like God. And he, I think he's okay with me right now. I'm preaching to you. Um, are you obedient? Well, you know you're obedient because you're fruitful. That's one of the greatest commandments, to go and make disciples. But you cannot make disciples if you're not walking with God. Right? You say, I'm studying the Bible, I haven't become a disciple. Right, you're not in love with God. Because it says right here, the only way to show your love is to obey Him. Yeah. To not obey God means you just don't love God. No, I've got a problem with you. No, you don't. Me and you are cool. you got a problem with God. Mm, you're calling me, D -d 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 -d. no, it's your L-I-C, no, it's not us. <laughs> it, it's, it's the Word of God. South Region's got to be an obedient section of the church. And I'm down here to help you start walking humbly with your God. You say, why? I've heard of a lack of humility in the South. Eyes off of Jesus, focused on each other. Eyes off of Jesus, focused on the leaders. Eyes off of Jesus, focused on the husband. Eyes off of Jesus, focused on the wife. Eyes off of Jesus, focused on each other. Focused all over here. Focus, 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 focus. Where are we? Oh, I'm drowning. Let's just go back to God. And walk humbly with our God. And be obedient to the word of God. To show how much you love God. Walk obediently to God. And lastly, just keep walking. Keep walking. Galatians chapter 6. You know how it is? You get tired. You go, I'm done walking. Yeah. <laughs> I want to put this cross down, man. Can somebody else carry it for me? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll help you, but it's your cross. you got to carry it. You know? Galatians chapter, chapter 6. Come on, bro. 
Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. We'll pick it up in verse 7. Do not be deceived. God can totally be mocked. You can reap what you have not sown. You can be totally prideful and get humility from God. You can be totally unsubmissive to your husband and get nothing but love. You can be totally not discipling your wife and get an amazing marriage. You can be on internet pornography and go into heaven. You No. No. doesn't say that, does it? You can be greedy and I give up your money and everything is okay. No, it doesn't say anything. So don't be deceived because we get deceived. That's what I thought. I thought I can look at pornography all day long and look, God loves me. Well, he loves me and I'm on my way to hell. He loves a lot of people that aren't going to make it. You know, if you're not saved today, you should be saying, preacher, stop preaching. In our church, we have this thing called the T, where somebody in the church is supposed to stop you. No, if you know you're not saved, you should go. You should be in the back going, T, stop, I need to get saved. Can you stop preaching so I can I'm walking humbly with you. I know I'm not right with you. I, I used to come to church like this and sit in the back, and I thought, like, I was like, if you just shut up, I'm going to hell. I know it. I just didn't have the humility to say it out loud. And I want to encourage you to say it out loud today. It says, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. One who sows to please the sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For when we want it, we'll reap a harvest. No. No. It says, let us not become weary in building the movement. Don't worry. The ICOC is going to come over and join us. We'll be the only shrimping boat left. Forrest Gump style. Mm. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at a proper time, this room will not be able to contain enough, enough people that will be in the South region. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at a proper time, our marriage will be where we, I want it to be. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at a proper time, this room will be filled with campus students that love God more than the older people. Because they're the real leaders. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at a proper time, we will reach 10,000 disciples in all of London. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at a proper time, we'll go back to Amsterdam, we'll plant that church, and we'll have a sold-out base of disciples, not a lukewarm base of disciples. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at a proper time, we'll reap a harvest. If we don't give up. And you give up in your heart. Starts there. It's time for the South region to start walking with God. Amen. I, I just want to challenge you. Focus in on God. Be humble. You know what happens when you're humble? You get friends. You get friends. I learned that one. I learned that the times when I'm the most lonely, it's when I'm the most prideful. It's usually I'm the worst friend. My problems become greater than any other problem. And what happens is I get bitter. And that's why I need Exodus chapter 15. What happened in Exodus 15? They got critical, they got bitter, and Moses had to take a stick and put it in the water. And the water became sweet. The stick represents the cross. Moses took the stick and put it in the bitter waters of life. The bitter waters only become sweet when we focus on God. We focus on the cross. Because Jesus went through way more than you've ever thought of. He bore all of our sins. And you were the joy set before him. We start walking with God, several people will be baptized here in the South. God longs to make this part of the church an example of what it means to really be somebody in Him. Let us, let us focus in on God. I challenge you today. Reevaluate your quiet times. Ask the person that's studying with you or that's discipling you. Look at my quiet times. Am I walking with God? Ask your wife. 
Honey, do you see the presence of God in me? Ask your husband, do you see the presence of God? Not the presence of rebellion. If you're visiting for the first time, sit down and find out what it means to walk humbly with your God. What it means to be saved. What it means to be lost. This world needs saving, and God has chosen you. To God be all the glory. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Mm -hmm.